1: decision-makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money-making conversations. Here we go. My guest today is Dr. Corey Aber. He's the chief medical officer of Dillard University and an assistant professor at LSU Health Services Center and Tulane University Medical Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. Also an ER physician for over 25 years and one of the leading voices for sickle cell care. Dr. Aber is also co-hosting a new show called Living Your Life. He interviews incredible people who refuse to let a life-threatening illness hold them back from success. He also talks to top medical, community, and entertainment influencers. The series, Living Your Life, brings attention to families and individuals thriving despite sickle cell disease or sickle cell trait. Please welcome, for the first time on my show, Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Dr. Corey Aber. How are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We've uh, we've our paths have crossed many times in, a, in the in the many years that you have been out on the <laughs> o- o- on the road. I remember one time in South Africa, we
1: were doing a little something. something.
2: Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's good to hear from you. And I'm
1: glad. You, well, you uh, know, when you when you go to New Orleans, especially as much as I've been to New Orleans and plus South Africa, that means that we're doing something right, because I know as far as your brand, you're nationally known in the media. Today's show, Good Morning America, your face is very familiar when people turn on the tube, which gives credibility to, about your brand when you talk. Because you are a brand, Dr. A. Bear, correct?
2: Well, you know, I, I think it's a. It's a, a word that people use very loosely now. They want to get their brand, but I've been doing this for 25 years. So I, I hope that I put enough skin in the game and boots on the ground that I could say officially that I do have a brand.
1: But how did it all start? You know, because you know you you don't you don't. I'm talking about the media portion of it all. Because you went to college, just like we all went to college, wanted to get that degree. Then you went to medical. Yep. And then you start serving the community in the degree format that you chose in college. Hmm. But how did the media Transition happened in your career.
2: You, you know, it, it was. It's a funny thing. You never know how stuff's gonna happen. It's, so, so basically, I uh, I, I finished me- finished medical school, finished residency, but uh, during residency in New Orleans, we were the murder capital of the world in mm-hmm. 1997 in New Orleans, and we are the murder capital of the world once again, which makes me very sad. Uh, but we were, and um, I would be in the emergency room and seeing all these people, black people, poor people, just coming to the ER in the middle of the night for like stuff that like for ringworm or for like an ear infection or something. And I'm like, man, why why are you here in the middle of the night? And they're like, well, we didn't know where else to go. So when somebody that looks like me gives me some uh, some inkling that I can help them by just giving them information, I felt I needed to do something about it. So I, I was I was married at the time and I, I, I went to my wife and said, look, I want to start a TV show called Urban Pediatrics and then move it to urban medicine. And I want to do it and I, I want to, tell people and, and, and empower people on on their health because people out here are dying and, you know, and, and, and inconvenience in their lives, for little things. I said, so um, I went to the, uh, the the public access TV station in New Orleans and they, and they asked me, I told them what I wanted to do. And they said, yeah, you can do it. That'd be great for the low, low price of $300 a month. Now, let me tell you something. That doesn't sound like a lot now, but in 1997 and you're making $25,000 a year, that was a lot. My, my, and my wife said, you're not about to do that. I said, look, this is a sacrifice we're going to have to make. So I started it, and I started at 2 o'clock in the morning at a, on channel 195. And two years later, I was at 6 o'clock on Saturday, after, Saturday evening afternoon on channel 8, which was their number one spot. So I moved up. People wanted it, and, and it was a great thing. Then right before Hurricane Katrina, NBC came calling and said, we saw this show, man. It's really good. What we want you to put, we want to put you on the, on the network. I said, that's awesome. And then Hurricane Katrina came, washed Mm -hmm. everything away. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I'm going to get to the point real quick is because this is like what you're talking about with the show. I had a defining moment and people will have defining moments in their lives and you got to step up for them and God will let you know when it is. After Hurricane Katrina, I lost my, my office was fine. My house was fine. Everything was fine, but I, I was I was the only doctor practicing medicine for about three months. And it was these 18-hour, 20-hour days. It was horrible, man. But one night, about two weeks after the the, the hurricane, NBC called me and said, can you come and talk about health after Hurricane Katrina? Because people are spread throughout the United States, man. We need somebody to come on. Can you do it? I was laying in my bed. It was 10 o'clock at night. I was tired as hell. And I was like, you know what? This may be a defining moment for me. I got to get up and I got to do this. And I went to the TV station that night and I was on TV for 1,227 consecutive nights after that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's when Dr. Oz came calling, that's when Oprah came calling, that's when all the networks came calling because I I was bringing edutainment, but at the same time bringing that information in a way that nobody was giving it at that time. So, you know, that's how it all happened. And then ever since then, you know, once you become that voice where people trust, you know, you you move forward and that's what happened.
1: Now, you was putting in the 18-hour days and still doing TV simultaneously? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because after after that uh, after that hurricane, man, look, I, I
2: was lucky I w- wasn't working 24 hours a day. <laughs> you
1: you know, know what I'm saying? You mean, know, and I bring that up, Dr. Avery, because we always talk about dreams. We always talk about commitment. We always talk about effort because everybody wants the the pie, but don't want to make the pie. And, sure. and that's what we're talking about right here is that, you could have laid in bed and said, hey, man, I'm tired. But something told you to get up. And it told you, and that's called effort. That's called wanting to fulfill your dream through application. But then when they to- brought you back the next day, at what point did you, in your mind, you go, should I stop? Should I keep doing this, Dr. A. start? Do you ever start questioning the process because they kept asking you day after day to continue this whole run?
2: Yeah. Now it's funny you would mention the word process because I was laying in my bed just the other night and I had another defining moment. I'm telling you, and it's been 20, 20 some years later. This is what happened. I'm trying to figure out why we can't do better as a people. I'm trying to figure out why we can't get more Black people into medical school. And I realized something. You know, when we were coming up, right, we had to process a lot of stuff and we actually had to go through a process. So when you want to go to the movies, when you were growing up, you had to pick the movie, pick the movie theater, pick the time, pick the way you go get the money, pick the friends you want to go with, pick how you're going to figure out how to get there, all this kind of stuff. And then you had to make sure you got it right because there were no phones to contact people. So if your friends were got there and you were late or somebody else was late, it was just it was just a mess. So you had to figure out the process and that's how your brain developed. Remember, our brains aren't really concrete until we're 25 years old. So everything that your brain is still developing up until that time. If you remember, that's why you couldn't rent a car before you were 25 years old. That's where that came from. Anyway, so, but what I realized is that these young people, when they want to see a movie, what do they do? They press a button. When they want some food, what do they do? Press a button. When they want to go somewhere, they press a button. Everything comes to them. Everything is on demand. So that means that their brains, as they were being, as their brains are being developed, then they don't understand the same process that we had to go through to make things happen. But the problem is that the process to be successful is old school. Mm. So the process to be successful hasn't gravitated so that they can understand how to actually go through the process. So there's a disconnect and a divorce between the young brain and how to process to get through things and the old way things go to actually be successful. And until we tell the young people, it ain't going to change. So you need to adapt to the process. Or we come from the top and say, the process is going to change. We're going to have a big disconnect. And these old uh, 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 white establishments are about to change the process so young black people can can get it. So we have to educate. So my thing was, I understood the process by which I was going to become successful. And it meant showing up and going somewhere to make that happen, not something coming to me to make that happen. And that's what I did in that bed that night to get up and go somewhere and keep going to meet it,
1: not letting it, letting it to meet me, to come to awesome. see me. I'm talking to Dr. Corey Aber, Chief Medical Officer of Dillard University and an assistant professor at LSU Health Services Center and Tulane University Medical Center in New Orleans, Louisiana, ER physician for over 25 years. So he's on the front line. But more importantly, he's one of the leading voices for sickle cell care. Dr. Aber, you have a show coming out called Living Your Life. It's co-hosted. You co-hosted with uh, Keir Spates. Mm -hmm. Why is this show important? And why are you hosting it or co-hosting it? Um, the, the reason why is because, first of all, care is crazy and I love care, So we, we
2: have a ball. Uh, mm-hmm. But really primarily what we found is that um, sickle cell disease in America is, is, is a disease that people don't talk about because it affects mostly um, brown people. Let's be honest, right? The sickle cell was the first disease ever genetically mapped in the entire world. But we've only had three or four drugs since 1940 to come out to try to help. And so what I noticed is that everybody in America has to be tested at birth for sickle cell disease and sickle cell trait. But I started seeing that all the young women that were coming to me and they had their babies with sickle cell disease, babies in pain, having all types of problems, these newborn babies, the women didn't have any idea that they had sickle cell trait, even though the test was done on the women at birth. So like when the best lady had a baby when, you know, she's 20 years old, Mm -hmm. that test was done she didn't have any idea of the results because when I was in medical school, it was taught that sickle cell trait actually was a silent and didn't cause any problems for you. It just was if you, you know, had sickle cell trait and you made it with somebody with sickle cell trait, your baby could have sickle cell disease. People weren't taught that. But what we find is that, you know, the number one cause of death in new black military recruits was sickle cell trait up until about five years ago. And 17 young black men have dropped dead in NCAA sports from sickle cell trait. And if you go in a high altitude environment, um, like an airplane that's unpressurized in the cabin or a helicopter, or go hiking or skiing or work out too hard and have bone pain without getting enough hydration, you can die from sickle cell trait. And there's 4 million people in America with sickle cell trait, black and white. And so this is a health crisis. If you don't believe me, go to the CDC website. It's clear as day and block capital letters. You can die from sickle cell trait. But the problem is people in America don't even know if they have sickle cell trait because they were taught that it wasn't a big deal. But so that's why this is an emergency and people are not getting care when they have sickle cell disease. When they go to the ER, they're not getting care. Care goes to the ER and he had to wait eight hours in excruciating pain and people thinking he's a drug seeker because nobody knows how to treat the 100,000 people that have the disease, let alone the 4 million people that have the trait. So we got to get out there. We got to explain this to people. We got to educate them, but we got to entertain them because that's my brand, edutainment. I make you laugh, I make you cry, but I give you information. And then with that information, you can do whatever you want with it. But my job is to give people information
1: worldwide. Now, that's that's what living your life is about. But you said something in the middle of your conversation with me about drugger people who feel drug seekers, that yes. that that people come in there. They're in pain. They're letting the nurse know, the doctor know that they're in pain, but they're being labeled as people who are just there to get drugs. Explain that. Well, how did that start, and why is that such a problem? Okay, so
2: basically what happens is when you have sickle cell disease, you have a lot of pain. You have a lot of issues when it comes to lung health, kidney health, spleen health, your vision, everything can be affected by sickle cell disease. And when you're like a two-year-old girl and you have some pain with a little pink dress on, going to the ER, you know, asking for some pain medicine, everybody thinks that's cute, right? That's cute. Right. Even though little kid's in pain. But when you are a 25-year-old, six-foot-tall, 180 pound person talking about you're in pain and you need some morphine they're like wait a minute this ain't cute dude this disease is supposed to be cured so people think that sickle cell disease is cured because theoretically there is a cure that for the low low price of 5 million dollars and about 5 people have gotten it in the world since the beginning of time Um, so that's not a viable option right now so people have to live with this disease and when they have pain they have excruciating pain 10 out of 10 but most doctors have never taken care of a sickle cell patient they don't even know what that looks like, so when you go into an ER and you are a, a an adult asking for morphine and they've never taken care of a patient like this, they think you're a drug seeker. They label you a drug seeker, and then you can't get the medicine that you need. It, it's a, it's a very horrible horrible process, and um, and then you you know you're treated like a second class citizen. It's just it's a horrible thing. So what we have to do as a people is we have to get our minds right and get some legislation so that we can identify
1: people with sickle cell trait. That's the first thing. I know that that's I know that for a fact because I saw it happen and then it feels like now today that sickle cell is still on the back burner of America and in the medical minds is that correct it it is and I think it's because Um,
2: Well, you know, things fall out of favor because, you know, when when it's not important to a particular group of people that has the biggest voice, then it's not really addressed. So, I mean, sickle cell disease is in about 100,000 people. About 100,000 people have that. Now, when you look at a country with, uh, you know, 200, 300 million people in it, 100,000 people theoretically is very small. Um, so, you know, people say, well, it's not, it's just a rare disease. So we don't need to do all that for a rare disease. But the point is, I don't consider it rare because it happens to my people. That's the first thing. The second thing is that when you start talking about 4 million people that have the trait that could actually have symptoms and die, then that's not such a small number. So that's why I'm putting this on my back so that we can have that telethon again, so we can bring some more uh, um, of the awareness to this disease because it's disabling. And I'm, I'm going to get me one step further. I think it's criminal, and that's right. I called it criminal, the fact that 97% of young black women that have a baby with sickle cell disease, meaning that baby's going to be sick, may probably die early, be in pain, lots of life, always in the hospital. 97% of these women that have this baby had no idea that they had sickle cell trait. But the test is already done on those women at birth. So what I'm saying is, for us not to know that, and we're we're spending billions of dollars on trying to find a cure, can we just spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on empowering the community to know if you have trait? So maybe if you know you know you have trait, and you meet a a, a man, uh, or if you're a woman, I mean a man, you meet a woman, and you uh, want to have a baby with them, you should know. If it's the possibility that your child could have sickle cell disease, you might want to go ahead and do it. You might not want to go ahead and do it. But the point is you need to know because that, that baby is going to be a huge, huge emotional change in your life. That baby is going to be a huge financial change in your life. That baby is going to have a lot of pain and distress in its life. So it's a big decision to make, but you need to know the information. So I think that what we're trying to do here is we're going to try to get a, a national registry. So all of you out there listening, if you were, if you're in your forties, your that test was done at birth. If you're in the mid forties, all the way down to just born today, that test was done on you. And you can go find the results. And if you can't find the results, you can go straight to your doctor right now and get that test redrawn, okay, and see if you have the trait. And I think it's very, very important for you and your children to know so they can
1: make some informed decisions. Wow. Well, the interesting thing about this whole conversation I'm having with Dr. Hebert is that, you know, I have the sickle cell trait. My wife, she had the sickle cell trait. So you're, you're absolutely correct. We had, we had to make a conscious decision about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bringing a young child into this world. Fortunately, our child does not have sickle cell disease. And so, but that doesn't matter, you know, when my wife was pregnant, you know, she was always fearful of that whole situation. And then I, I wasn't aware of till afterwards, you know, so that's a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. That can be put on a couple, especially the woman in the couple in the relationship, because all you want is a healthy child. That's you want that miracle. You want the five fingers and, on one hand, five toes on the other, you know, 10, 10. You know, that's what you want when you when you bring a child in the world physically. And then you want when you slap them on the behind, you want them to scream and you want them to be alert. And when you have sickle cell, a disease that, like you said, when it comes into your life. It's costly, it's time-consuming. Your child may spend many hours and many days and maybe even many weeks into the hospital under care, and they can never live a life. But we, on this show, Living Your Life, the whole approach on that show is about showing people who have the trait, people who have sickle cell disease, living successful lives, correct? That is correct. I mean, you know, there's some people
2: that if you embrace your disease, if you do what you're supposed to do, you should be able to live your life like like anybody else. But uh, but the problem is, uh, we we uh, of the hundred thousand people that have this disease, we have lost meaning lost to follow up, meaning they're just out there. We don't know where they are. About seventy thousand of these people, we don't know where they are because when you get older, you know people don't you are ashamed to have this disease mm-hmm. because it, it it causes a problem in your work meaning if 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 like say Keir right Keir who is the co-host of the show say Keir is an actor right so if he wants to be if he wants to be in a movie and he has to tell them that he has sickle cell he may not get the part right because because they're going to say if he gets a sickle cell crisis in the middle of, of filming then they got to shut it down they can't he, he can't be in the movie so that means they're losing 150,000 $200,000 a day They'd rather do somebody else, so that's discrimination. So, and then they're out there suffering in silence. So, we what we hope is that we, with this show, we bring people out because there's treatments. There's treatments now, newer treatments that can make your life a lot better. But we got to know, we got to know where you are. You know what I'm saying? So that's Absolutely. that's what we're but trying to know, do. With
1: but this here's show. the thing: we're talking about just America right now. Sure, at hundred thousand, but that number swells when you get outside of the United States. Talk about the global. Uh, impact of how sickle cell affects different countries and how different countries are dealing with that as well. Yes, absolutely. There
2: are more people with sickle cell disease in the world than in the United States by far. Because remember, this was this was something that was done. Um, you know, th- this was a, an, an evolution from the African continent. This was an evolution so that we can remember that people were dying of sickle cell, I mean, dying of malaria. And so if you developed sickle cell trait, then you were able to survive malaria. That's where sickle cell trait came from. It was an evolution of survival, okay? So now what you got to remember is that the sub-Saharan part of Africa, That's that has that issue. But if you start going towards, you know, um, uh, Saudi Arabia and you start going towards Iraq and Turkey, all these people migrated from the same place. So... So they have more sickle cell disease and trade over there. But the issue is they don't have universal screening. So they're just dying. They're wow. just living a horrible lives because they just don't even know that they have it. So that's why this is a global issue. And so I, I, I presented this concept at uh, the South by Southwest Conference. That's where a bunch of 19-year-old billionaires with hoodies go and talk about how they can save the world, right? And these dudes, when I explained to them what happened, they said, wait a minute, we have a worldwide problem, a worldwide problem. And... We're not doing something about it because of the lack of the aggregation of the data that already exists. Think about that. That's
1: that's criminal. We wouldn't be doing that in any other disease. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to bring that up because a lot of people look at the sickle cell as just a... A, a black illness, a black disease, a black something that, that tied to our culture. And, but it's really a global thing. Where when you when you get out of the hundred thousand, you start going worldwide. We get into the millions, not the hundred thousand, yeah. not the ten, not two or four people. We go into the millions of people who are impacted or affected by sickle cell trait, which does, in turn leads to sickle cell disease. If the person you are, happen to have a child with, and y'all both have the trait, then you can eventually lead that to you. one out of four chances your child can have sickle cell disease. As a person who has sickle cell trait, what things should I be looking out for to make sure that I'm, I'm living a healthy life or a long life and not doing anything silly, Dr. Hebert? The first thing you need to do
2: is you need to make sure that you get enough sleep and get enough water. Okay, those are the things that you just need to do just to be healthy. I don't care if you have sickle cell trait or not. You just need to get enough sleep, get enough water and decrease the amount of stress in your life. That's across the board. okay. but with somebody with sickle cell trait or disease, you need to make sure you eat well. You got to get this processed food out of your life. You got to eat more uh, plants. You got to eat more vegetables. You got to eat more um, uh, uh, things that are that are good for you and decrease some of this processed food. That's another thing. Also, you got to listen to your body. Okay, if you have sickle cell traits, the reason why people with sickle cell traits die, it's not because they just all of a sudden have this attack and fall out. That's not what happens. They just don't know that they have sickle cell traits. So when they're working out and they start feeling faint, they think that that's what's supposed to happen because that's just normal. And then they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And that's when they have the problem, right? So if you got to listen to your body, if you know, if you're going, to a high altitude environment, if you know you're going to be working out a lot and you haven't worked out before and you start having these issues, just stop. Mm. Just stop, hydrate, and rest. And then you'll be absolutely fine. I also tell people with sickle cell trait, they probably should be taking some folate in their multivitamin. They need to make sure that they have enough vitamins in their body because your body to make red blood cells needs vitamins and it needs folate, folic acid. And that is in every multivitamin. But I would say take a little bit more because it can't hurt you, okay? And I want you to do that. And also, if you're out there and you're sickle cell disease, I really want you to think about, um, there's a lot of medicines out there. There's, uh, And I need you to kind of go and look at some of them because they're out there and we need you to get your get your minds right, and then come out of the uh, out of the hiding. We need to fix this situation.
1: Well, you know, that it's all about information. And, well, one thing on this show, I try to bring information because of the fact that this is show, I always talk about entrepreneurship and how to succeed. But if your health isn't right, can't fulfill your dreams. And more important, you, you cannot mislead the, yourself to believe that it's going to be all good because you're not ill. But certain things have to happen that makes you successful. How can we get in touch with you, Dr. Hebert? Are you on social because uh, I definitely yes, want sir. people to follow up. Because your cause is to provide that information. Your cause is to make sure people live healthy lives. That's right. Know. So
2: and, and 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 I put this kind of information out daily. So it's uh, at uh, Instagram. It's Corey C O R E Y H E B E R T M D. So that's at Corey A-Bear M D. On Twitter, it's at Corey A-Bear M D. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here.